you know, clarification, since we're kind of in this, uh, the intersection between Clintonville and the University District, not many of you may know what a potluck is. It doesn't mean you bring anything to smoke or vaporize. It means you bring a pot of food to share, okay? Just, you know, culture, you know? If we were at, like, you know, First Baptist Church, and we had a bunch of uh, people that could school us on potlucks, but I know potlucks may be a new thing, but it's basically food sharing, all right? Are you cool? Was that helpful? All right, thank you. Cindy's like, oh, phew. I almost thought about the other. <laughs> hey, um, so, uh, wow, I've not been up here talking with a little thing on my face in like seven months. And this is, oh, thank you. It's been uh, the longest break I've taken from teaching in kind of a setting like this since 1999, I realized, because I used to do alpha you know, every week and stuff like that at, at uh, Vineyard Columbus. So I feel like I have to relearn this. So I've actually asked some of, some of the young people here. It's like, hey, can you grade me on this and tell me what's clear, what isn't, what's boring, what hits home, and any other thoughts you have so I can kind of try to ramp up a little quicker. You know, I'm not here to make you agree with me, but I would like to be clear so you understand what I'm saying. You know, it's like we, we, we don't do, I'm not, I don't want to try to manipulate you into being in a certain place. I want to offer something that I think is gonna basically revolutionize and save your life. Uh, you know, nothing big there. But um, I took uh, seven uh, months off, uh, you know, kind of for a, an array of health issues, both physical, spiritual, mental health, and I felt like, uh, you know, at the recommendations from physicians, I, was, I feel like I've been able to reset the trajectory into a healthier uh, direction and it's good to feel alive again. And I feel like right now we're in a season, we're still reeling in a post-COVID world and a new world we've entered into, almost through the COVID portal. A lot of things have changed. And we've been through, as a nation, a crazy number of years, some crazy times. And I feel like right now is God's reinventing things or retooling things. And we're just in the season of discernment of what, what does leadership look like? What does church, what does my role look like? How, how do we transition over you know, this next uh, half a year or so uh, and, and figure out what maybe God's calling us to be? And so that's a kind of amorphous announcement, right? I'm not saying we're doing this and here and here's this vision, we're gonna take this hill. I'm just saying we're in a series of discern a season of discernment and come and join the wild ride with us. God will hold our hands so everything will be cool. Um, so today talking about the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, uh, we've been moving through Matthew mega series in a nonlinear fashion, which really works in my mind. I haven't had a linear thought since birth. So, but the Beatitudes are an opening poem to the Jesus Manifesto. An old friend of mine from Norwood, Skinny Kenny, would call it the Jesus Manifesto. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And it's always been my favorite term. Or <clears throat> the DNA of the kingdom. Like, this is in three chapters. And this wasn't probably his whole sermon. You know, different people took notes on the sermon. And we get different versions and pieces of it. Like Luke has a take on it. So he probably spoke for a few hours, and we get like 10 minutes of it, right? So there's this poem, and the poem was the warm-up act. The poem would get the brain blood flowing so you could flex your thoughts and flex your feelings and flex your ears and get, without totally a shock. But this poem is something a little different. But before we go there, I want to read the poem with you, because here's the great thing about reading the Bible in church. 
even if the sermon sucks. If you're together with people reading the Word of God, God has something to give you in that process. And there's something about reading this together and quite literally being on the same page just for moments. So I believe there's a mystical reality unleashed in so many of the things we do. So I want to read this. So if you don't have a copy of the Beatitudes, I try to put one every seat. If you don't have one to look at or share, there's some on blank chairs if you look around or sit next to someone. I'd like you guys to read the part in bold. I'll read the part not emboldened, okay? Is there anyone that needs one that doesn't have one to look off of? Bueller, Bueller, okay, good. Okay, Katie needs one, oh my gosh. Uh, could you guys read off of one and share with Katie? Oh, oh, you got it, okay, we're good. All is good. So, Father God, we ask that you would bless the reading of your word, that we could eat it, digest it and sweat it and have the stank of your word on us, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Okay, so I want to begin with a little intro. I'll do the blessed are the, and then you do the four theirs. Sound good? And by the way, do any of you ever go to OSU games or Blue Jackets or anything like that? Anything where you're loud? Anyone? So you, when you, you can be as loud as saying these things as you would say the thing you're most excited about. We don't have to be like, Deus, Deus, Domine, Domine's Requiem. You know, we can actually be a little excited about this, right? Because this is, this is the lifeblood of what God has to offer us. So, Matthew 5, 1 through 11. I'm reading the NIV, but we're going to hit some other versions too. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said... Blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you, when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice, guys. Be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who are before you. The word of the Lord. Yeah, in churches you may say the word of God. A lot of people say praise be to God. Some people say way cool. You know, but anything along those lines is good, you know. Um, I, I, I don't have enough time to go through the Beatitudes. And normally I teach the Beatitudes. I spend a week or two on each one. And we're going to spend next 20 minutes on all of them. But here's something. The first, first one to three Beatitudes, if you can get those, you kind of get the rest of them. If you get those, you feel the vibe to be able to resonate with what the other ones are going to tell you. Maybe you need a couple clues here and there to the language and stuff. But if we can just get blessed are the poor in spirit today, this is not, I read it for you so you don't have to. 
You know, some people, some sermons are like, oh, I'm giving you the exhausted word-by-word exegesis of the passage, and it's the idea that you get this, but guys, this, if this story is alive, it's like a sponge you can never wring all the water out of. So it's almost hubris to say, I'm going to give you like all the points that are in this. I'm just going to give you what I think can give us a little hope for about a week. All right? Who, who, who could go for just a dose of weekly hope? Anyone? So, um, title today's message, Alternate Realities, Multiverses, Fringe Experiences, and the Upside Down. The kingdom of God in a scary world. All right? Uh, Many of you know I'm a little bit of a nerd, but I'll explain what I mean by this. Uh, I love the fact that the idea of alternate realities and multiverses is now in the general pop culture lexicon because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and others. But I'm going to tell you old school that it kind of entered into the pop culture in 1956 when uh, they had a Flash comic book that showed Flash from Earth 1, meaning Flash from Earth 2, and and they talked Earth 1, Earth 2, and then suddenly there's Earth 3, and there was Earth X, and each Earth was a little different, but kind of the same. And so that was in my little nerd heart reading those. That's what got me into thinking about alternate realities. And now that's a big part of science fiction, that the idea that maybe uh, in this universe of possibility, that there's infinite universes where instead of ter- deciding to turn left, you d- turned right instead. I don't really believe that. But this is a helpful parable to understand the kingdom of God. Um, uh, in uh, the show Fringe, which I don't know if anyone loves that show except me and my Aunt Lynn. Oh, you t- <laughs> Claudia, dude, you are, we are brother and sister here. But Fringe, the idea was there was two worlds in the, the, the separation between these two different takes on the planet Earth was weakening, and there was a danger of the two realities merging, and every time there would be these weird paranormal experiences, they were called fringe experiences, because one world was entering into another. Now, the monks and the saints and spiritual writers from much longer ago, the Celtic Christians had a word for this, they called thin spaces. It's where the barrier between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth was really weak. When people are healed from sickness, it's not because someone has the right words to say. It's because the kingdom of the future is somehow breaking into the dimension of the now. When someone goes from self-hatred to believing they're loved, that is a fringe experience. The kingdom of the future is going to the now. When people value the poor and the poor have as much to eat as the rich, that is a fringe experience where the future is breaking into the current. Now, the uh, good thing I numbered these, or I'd be really up a creek. Um, so, uh, Stranger Things is the latest thing that really has opened my strength. If you can enjoy Stranger Things, you can understand the kingdom of God. Because a big premise of Stranger Things, and by the way, if you haven't watched season one now, well, too late. I'm going to spoil it for you. Shame on you. No, no shame. We don't, by the way, as a church, we don't do shame. We do conviction because conviction comes from empowerment. We don't do shame. But anyway, I'm going to spoil season one. Uh, There's this idea that there's an upside down dimension that can be accessed through portals. And the upside down is like almost this scary reflection of our world. Like, if you enter the Upside Down, all the same buildings are there, the same trees are there, but everything is kind of broken, it's decaying, it stinks, 
It's really dangerous and it's dark and dreary. You talk about seasonal affective disorder. If you are on the upside down, your life is over, right? Do you remember that in Fringe, the upside down? But there was a continuity. Like you could see that buildings were designed, places were there, gardens may have existed here. On the planet, on the up, right side up, the flowers are blooming. On the upside down, they're shriveled and dying, right? Well, here's how the kingdom of God works. We live in the upside down right now. We start out in the upside down. We start out in a world where might rate makes right. We start out in the world is the person willing to do the most violence wins. We start out in a world where the more money you have for lawyering up means you'll win a lawsuit against someone who has less money for lawyering up. We live in a world where power reigns supreme. That is, is true to this world is gravity. We have physics that work in this world in a certain way. Things fall apart. Things move from clean to mess. Relationships get harder. Um, you know, our, our mental capacities at a certain age will be, maybe begin to decline. We'll not remember as much. Everything seems to unravel slightly. We live in the upside down. Um, an example of this, imagine, I'll just give you a real like fantasy type example of this. Like imagine if you're electricians in New York and you have a family run firm for three generations, maybe you have 30 people working for you and you get a bid to do electricity on a couple floors of this major development project happening, right? And it, the bid is, uh, you, you, they don't offer you as much money as everyone else, but they give you this awesome deal. They said, we're not just gonna pay you 50% up front. We're gonna give you 75% of your money up front to do all the electrical work. And you're like, wow, that's great. I could really use that money up front. And so you get the deal for this giant land developer that's made all these different buildings, maybe golf courses or other things. And then they pay the 75% up front and then you finish the project and then developer sa says, you come there to get your check. They actually agree to meet you in person and said, I'm not paying you. And you say, well, that's, again, you broke your contract. I want to take you to court. I said, oh, you mean you're short on money? Well, uh, I've got a whole stable full-time lawyers here. Uh, good luck. We can go to court, but you know who wins a court case? The person who can last the longest. It's a matter of who has the most money to win a court case when it comes to those kind of litigation. And we live in a culture where those people who win we don't have the heroes of the family electricians that went out of business and for three generations all these people are out of a job and these people who employed these people prior to this family are gone we live in a world where we make celebrities of the person who didn't pay their bill we live in a war where the people that win are the most important that is as true as gravity and much as say the person with the most bombs wins, the person with the most money wins. And by the way, I'm, I hope you know that this is heading towards good news. Because I'm getting a little depressing right now. And frankly, the church is always struggling with trying to justify valuing the people that win with the teachings of Jesus. There's this whole thing called the prosperity gospel that says, if you're, the more you follow Jesus, the more you'll be successful. If you want to really live the American dream to its fullest, you know, give me this money and do these things and you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And I'm like, frankly, 
I've seen a lot of people lose their shirt over kindness. You know, we, we live in a world where power wins. And Jesus is offering us a mystical, trans-dimensional portal to walk through that's the kingdom. And when Jesus said, blessed are, it's his disciples came to him. This, disciples are not the people that have it together. Disciples are the people that say, my way of doing life does not work. I need you, God. There are the people that say, I'm done. I can't do this life thing. Give me some hope. And among Jesus' disciples, there were every kind of political stripe and cultural stripe imaginable. They fought all the time. People say, like, I want to be like the early church. You mean you want to fight all the time like the 12 disciples did? <laughs> you know? Well, it's true. I mean, Jesus called these guys this bag of misfits, and the only thing they had in common is we don't got what it takes. And then Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount saying this, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Meaning, you people that don't have your stuff together, the blessings of the kingdom, and these are, by the way, these are not, you're going to earn these blessings. It doesn't say people that live kingdom lifestyles will cultivate these blessings. It's in the passive tense, meaning God is going to grant you, and by the power of the Spirit, not your virtue, by the power of the Spirit, God is going to grant you these blessings. You're not going to work it and earn it and have seven thoughts to a more successful life. Come to my seminary and learn how to be an entrepreneur leader or whatever. Let's just flush that down Satan's toilet of deception, all right? The truth is, the poor in spirit are the ones that get to live in this other dimension where the laws of social gravity are different. And that is the least of these is the more, most important. That is the person who is non-coercive wins the day. The person, when it says hunger and thirst for righteousness, by the way, when we hear righteousness, we think righteous dude. We think, oh, it's hard to hear the word righteousness without putting the appellation self-righteous, right? Righteous are the people who think they're better than me. Just simple, righteousness is the same word for justice in the scriptures, right? So if you say those who hunger and thirst for justice, you know what justice means? The hungry people eat, the fatherless children and motherless children find family, that widows don't have to worry about who's going to support them. Righteousness is the economics of the ups, right side up, not the upside down, that the right side up happens to everyone who's hurting, right? So when Jesus really uses prepositions in a confusing way, because he says the kingdom of God is uh, before you, the kingdom of God is within you, the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is here. And, and we're like, man, you're, you're contradicting yourself, Jesus. But then, you know, with uh, quantum physics and everything like that, Jesus' prepositions begin to at least have metaphorical sense. You can have these contradictory things true at a time. And what it is is the kingdom of God can break through in our lives in fringe experiences where the new world breaks into the old. And friends, I don't know all of you. If I've never met you, please shake my hand or at least introduce yourself or something i'd like to try but friends i know enough of your stories to know most of the people here have had an experience of their life where they recognize i'm on the losing end of this element of what the world calls success 
or what the world calls normal. It's like, it can be through uh, struggles with mental illness. Tell me about it, right? It must be like the person wakes up and says, why in the heck do I have to take four pills that dull me a little just so I can make it through a day? Or the person that says, you know, I've been working my butt off and I can't get enough money to pay off my school debts. Or the per you know, all of us, most of us, at least I know, have had an experience where you said, I am not enough. And a lot of us are gathered here because we believe Jesus may have a different story to tell. That Jesus may have a different story to tell. I need to pull my clock out my, ooh, I'm about done here. Um, so friends, if we, if our spirit, the first tool of spiritual growth is saying help. And many years ago, a friend of mine, I was actually um, putting on a concert with a band, none of you have ever heard of it, it's called Vigilantes of Love. It was a concert and put on at a school I went to in 1994, just, my mom was in the throes of dying of cancer. And I was talking to this guy and he goes, uh, I was telling about it, he goes, oh man, have you read the message, this translation of the Bible, the message by Eugene Peterson had just come out and goes, he goes, look, I want to drive you, we had a campus bookstore, I got to get you a copy of this. So he drove me and I read, I always check out the Sermon on the Mount whenever I read this and it just gave me like a good feeling gut punch. And here's how Eugene Peterson uh, did the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. He said, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. Guys, I periodically get to this state of being called end of your rope. And I, you know I'd love to call this church first church of end of your rope, beginning of your dreams, right? I've heard people say, our church is not a hospital, we're an army. It's like, screw your army. You know what? The, the kingdom of God is one without a shot. You know, the kingdom of God, the only, the only offensive weapon, the armor of God has is the words of encouragement, the word of God. Who's the Bible say the word of God is Jesus, the nonviolent Messiah. So the closest thing we have to sword is a pacifist Messiah that lays down his life. So if you qualify what you mean by your army, like well-organized, nonviolent people that love their enemies, then go ahead and use that metaphor. But that takes a lot of explanation. I'd rather say hospital. Can we just say we're a hospital? We're getting better, but this is a hospital where we can do outpatient treatment. I mean, we get to live our life while we get filled up. We get to be the walking wounded, all right? So if you've come from a tradition where you're in your army, then guess what happens? If you struggle with depression, you're less than. If you come from a tradition that's bought into this Western dream of success and power, you have to fake it. If you, uh, if you have maybe, it's hard for you to wrap your mind around learning. Maybe you have a lot of ADHD and you're not able to study the Bible for as long as other people are. And they're able to kick your butt with Bible knowledge. Well, that's the last thing you ever want to do with the Bible. It's like kind of, take, kind of uh, choking someone to death with tiramisu. That's not what tiramisu is for. You're supposed to slowly eat it. But the way people practice Bible study is I want to kill you in a sea of caramel or something like that, you know. But the alternate reality, the right side up, guys, is God beat you in that place where you haven't maybe felt good enough in a religious or corporate environment. And guess what? It's good. The water is good. The water is good. It doesn't mean 
listen, I'll tell you, I've got some uh, chronic health issues that have not gone away because Jesus is in my life. All right? But I can live with chronic health issues because Jesus is in my life. You know? It's like people ask C.S. Lewis, they said, this guy, he did a blue-collar interview with some electrician's union or something, and it was really C.S. Lewis is a blue-collar best, and they said, how come there's so many horrible, unkind, mean Christians out there? And he said, Jesus doesn't make you kind. He makes you kinder than you would be without him. But some people who come to the end of the rope are really mean people, so they're, uh, they're a lot kinder, but they're still pretty abrasive. I love that. I, you can apply that to any way. Um, I'm just about finished here. Could, could we have the communion folks to come up? And I want to ask those, to, I want to actually, I don't want people to grab communion. I want to get three people, whoever you are. You don't have to be asked to do this. Like you can do this Aunt Lynn if you want to. I just want you to say, give people the, uh, the elements. We dip. It's a little post-COVID. Where it's called intincture if you're ever on Jeopardy. So we do a common cup, but we do the Eucharist. This is our physical, uh, kinesiological way to demonstrate I need something I don't have from Jesus. It's the idea of, it's the idea of eating the word of God till we sweat the word of God, the Eucharist. I believe God is present in the elements, and don't you dare invite me into a theological debate about this because I'm not going to define it. I don't get it. I just go with the flow. Are you going to hold the cup, Finn? Did you fist bump me a little bit? I'm proud of you, man. So anyway, we're going to do communion, but I want to read the uh, Beatitudes one more time, if you can get in your sheets. We can do this nice and quiet. Let's do this. We, we did it in the rah-rah, siskamba, go team way. Now let's do it in the, oh my God, I found life type of tone, all right? I'm just going to read the Beatitudes. I'm not going to be the intro. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of things of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecute the prophets that were before you. So guys... The people that came to hear Jesus' manifesto were people who'd already said, I'm not enough, and I need to he- learn from you, Jesus. They're people who already made space for Jesus. This stuff is just a bunch of good ideas that you'll never experience unless you have this mystical, animating experience with the Holy Spirit of God. And what that is, is basically coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, Son of God, with every shred of belief I can muster, and even some of my non-belief, I believe, help my unbelief. I come to you and say, Jesus, I can't do it. I need you. I need the acceptance only you can offer. I need the empowerment you can all offer. Give me 
the right side up while I live in this upside down. Jesus, I, I repent. I, I give up trying to do it on my own and I let you walk and hold my hand. And you lift me up by the right hand and you pull me out of the mud. Jesus, I repent. Take over my life. I give you my hands and my feet and my passions and my voice and my not and my is. I give to you and ask you, Jesus, to help me limp with and smile through tears towards your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen. That's when people talk about accepting Christ, it's not a checklist of beliefs. It's not a mantra, and it's not just an intellectual thing. It's an it's a enteric nervous system sort of thing. It's like, oh, I need this. Oh. You think with your head and your gut on this one, guys. So we're going to sing a song that might be triggering for some people, and I want to help you. It's a, a, the confession, the confession of the church, but that first sentence, don't, you have to almost skip the record on most merciful God most merciful God. I've, I've thought of rewriting this at times other stuff because I feel like without God's mercy, you can't repent. By the way, don't repent to people that aren't merciful. Don't apologize. Don't go to people who aren't merciful. They're not safe. We come to God, most merciful God, and because of God's preemptive mercy, we can sing the rest. And this is general confession. So we're going to sing this as we come up for the body and blood of Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. Satan emptied everything he could at him. What every tyranny, every tyrannical power has two powers, death and torture. Jesus endured both of those. Three days later came back, is that all you got? That's what the resurrection is, is Jesus exhausted the power of evil. And when we share these elements, I want to ask you guys who are handing communion and say, this is the body and the blood of Jesus. God bless you. Or something like that. And you receive that. I want to ask our prayer team, I want you, if you are having a fresh experience of wanting to proclaim, I'm at the end of my rope. I want you to stay up. We're going to have people, if we got a prayer team, people to get up here, people who have been trained to pray, can you preemptively get to the sides? We'll make sure you get communion too. We want to pray for you. If you want to re-up is the legion of the wimps, those with the limps who are limping towards the kingdom. We want, to, we want to pray that over you today. If you're struggling right now with depression, if you're struggling with job anxiety, if you're going through an untenable transition, family difficulty, uh, church difficulty, and like... I just want to pray for you. And by the way, our prayer, these are not counseling sessions. If someone starts counseling you, just tell them, stop. Can you just pray for me? All right? That's, we, we love counseling. But this is just people accepting you and praying for you and asking God's Holy Spirit to come. And uh, so let's, let's sing. Let's come forward for communion. And uh, yeah.